Welcome to Nomina's Mental Health Mavens. I'm your host, Joanne, and every Sunday we bring you mental health and addictions experts on a variety of topics, including advanced evidence-based therapies. Now, guest opinions are their own and some content may be triggering, but our mission here and on our Nomina Wellness YouTube channel is to make exceptional mental health support accessible to everyone. So make sure to subscribe, give us that good rating, and maybe even share with a friend. So let's get to it. This week's Mental Health Mavens, we are getting a little saucy, so just a trigger warning because today, Dan Kalko, who is a registered sex therapist, is back to talk to us about the psychology of the dick pic. So with that, let's welcome Dan. Well, we're going to talk about the psychology of the dick pic. <laughs> I know this is a topic that uh, a lot of people kind of... I don't want to say find dear, but it affects them, right? And these people tend to be women. Um, men don't tend to receive dick pics from other men um, unless they're gay, and that's okay. That happens too. I don't. I'm not an expert in that piece, and the research is much smaller surrounding that. But generally, being sent an explicit photo of a man's genitals to a woman is fairly common, from what I've learned. And you said research. Do you have any stats for us? No, there's no real statistics. And to be honest, there is very little research that goes into this topic so far. And, like, and what I mean by research is clinical research. So there isn't a lot of uh, studies that have been done assessing or trying to figure out which components go into that decision to take a photo and hit send to a work colleague or somebody who might be a platonic friend or those kind of things. That stuff doesn't really exist. So but there is a lot of research uh, that talks about sexual arousal templates in men and women and what men find uh, generally arousing about women and what women find generally arousing about men and how these processes work. And, and then a little bit about the neurology of what happens during sexual arousal and how perhaps it can help us explain why some men decide that it's a good idea to take a picture of their junk and send them to somebody with whom they don't have that underlying relationship. Yeah, I'm very curious about what what goes on in the man's mind. Is it because they want to receive unsolicited pictures of breasts or something or how why? Why? It so it comes down to a fundamental difference between what arouses men and women. And again, I'm speaking very generally here to there's a lot of overlap in terms of these these things because there are differences in like physical differences in a, in a male brain and a female brain. And then there's also the hormonal differences between men and women. And these all have a factor to play a part in sexual arousal with other people. Also um, orientation. So sexual orientation is very important too, as to what men will find arousing and what women will find arousing depending on what their sexual preference is. So those are all components of that and they like i said overlap so there's a lot of overlap but again speaking broadly and generally generally men find visual stimuli attractive so are arousing so oftentimes it is enough for a man to get aroused sexually aroused by the sight of that stimulus so sight of a woman an attractive woman the the type of attractiveness varies from person to person um, but there are some kind of evolutionary underpinnings that science has found that create um, attractive women in the same way that attractive men share certain physical characteristics. 
But men tend to be kind of more on that three quarters or greater scale aroused, sexually aroused by the sight of women. And now women are sexually aroused by the sight of men as well. This is kind of, kind of makes sense that women are attracted to men and men are attracted to women if they're heterosexual. And that's kind of how that sexual arousal template happens, but much less so. So some studies done in the late 50s and then through in the 80s with Masters and Johnson showed that anywhere between 15 and 45% of women find the sight of a man, a sexually aroused man, attractive. So, so an erect penis or that kind of sexual stimuli will arouse a woman in between 15 and 45% of them. Whereas in men, it's higher. It's in between the, like the 50 to 75%. So they're more skewed towards that. And in my research, trying to figure out where there might be a difference and why someone might think that it's a good idea to send a picture of their sexual organs to another person would be that this, there's, a, there's a disconnect and where the men aren't thinking, the men are thinking like they are, but also projecting that onto the woman they go well i'm maybe again this might be a subconscious thought pattern that's happening below that level of of conscious thought but if i am aroused by that person by how they look perhaps they'll be aroused by me and how i look therefore i will send them a piece of me to hopefully arouse them and that's kind of that's kind of the highlight between the two differences now that doesn't at all address that it's not okay to do it to people with whom you don't have that underlying relationship. And as a sex therapist, I'm all for sexting and, and um, sending that stimuli between partners, kind of keeping in mind that there's that privacy aspect of the internet and nothing really is private on the internet. But, but oftentimes foreplay can in- include that kind of like erotic texts or even erotic photos shared between partners. But again, that's expected. That's kind of, Hey, I know that tonight's date night and I'm going to start sending you kind of increasingly um, illicit texts that are going to kind of culminate throughout the afternoon. And then we get home, we're going to stuff like that foreplay can start a long time before the actual act of sex. And in a lot of well-established couples who have a healthy sexual relationship, it does start hours before they kind of get there and it can really enhance and, and heighten that sexual experience. But again, that's consensual. What we're talking about is that unconsensual, the non-consensual side of things where you have a woman that just is maybe a colleague with a male partner who then one evening receives a picture of engorged sexual organs, which kind of comes out of nowhere. I got one over Facebook Messenger. I'm cuddled up in bed with my husband. I'm a 52-year-old woman. What? (laughs) How did that even happen? And it was some young guy that I had known years ago and just all of a sudden unsolicited. There you go. There it is. And what's interesting is when you look at the brain scan studies of what happens during sexual arousal, a lot of the, the, the templates and the patterns and the mechanisms are pushed further back in the brain to what we've talked in the past that in the back is that more primal part of the brain talking about the hypothalamus and the amygdala that kind of dominates that human sexual response because it is an evolutionary piece is very important for species to propagate themselves in order to survive. And that means that those elements are hardwired almost into our, or almost into our DNA that we need to procreate. And that old adage that God gave man a brain and a penis and only enough blood to run one at the same time, it's kind of true, is that 
that prefrontal cortex is that part where we do that higher level thinking. We go, this is a good idea or this is not a good idea. So that back part of our brain with, like I said, the hypothalamus and the amygdala, those are the parts of the brain that go, I'm not going to think about this because this is what I'm going to program to do. Because if I think too long, then maybe I'm going to get eaten by a bear and or or whatever, right? We don't think too much when we touch a hot stove and our hand comes off of it. That's a reflex. That's pre-programmed. That's, that's a protectionary mechanism that says, if I leave my hand on the stove to figure it out, I'm going to have third degree burns by the time I figure it out, as opposed to just maybe something light, like a first degree or a surface burn, if I just react and then, then I can think about it. So I think that plays into a, a big part what happens in terms of why it doesn't connect logically to this doesn't make sense, right? And I'm sure that didn't make sense to you when you were lying there with your husband as a happily married woman, that why am I getting this, right? I haven't given any signals that I, I assume of, of why this would happen. And I think that's, that's the part that is very hard for people thinking logically to understand is that it's not a logical piece, it doesn't make any sense. And, and that's that part of, of what we need to continuously manage as human beings is that these things happen and we can override them. That's the, part, that's the point of our, our prefrontal cortex is to override these things and make socially responsible decisions. So what, as women, can we do when we receive these unsolicited dick pics? Because I, it's just, it's, it feels, uh, it almost, I feels victimized a little bit. Like, how dare you? That, that is so invasive. Like, it's just, yeah, it leaves a woman with some pretty nasty feelings. For sure. And I can see how that would trigger other things too for, for women, especially in how we've discussed in the past that there's that gen, that, that skewed power dynamic between the genders and the rate of uh, inappropriate sexual touching and sexual harassment, sexual assault is, is high. And, and anytime this happens, it can be kind of re-traumatizing, like you said, in order to, to get these. And that's a very difficult question because that your question about what you can do about it. And, and unfortunately, because of the way the technology works is that it's very hard to stop that, right? We can block the creeps and the perverts who continuously bother us on our phones and on our social media sites. There's those features exist, right? We can block, we can, we can have her shut down. All of those things is great. But in your case, it, did, it seemed like it was like out of nowhere. And that's often where it comes from is it comes from nowhere. It comes from some random person that we have an acquaintance with or a coworker with whom we don't have that underlying intimate or budding intimate relationship. And so that becomes very difficult to protect yourself from. Now, a lot, my advice for a lot of uh, women in terms of when they come and they complain about this kind of stuff, because it is like, it is kind of like an invasion is to make it known that it's inappropriate. And I think a lot of that can be very helpful. And I know that it's not the receiver's job to educate. And this is where I think men need to also get on board. But as a woman, I would recommend that this is inappropriate. Our relationship is not, is not that kind of relationship, making it very clear where the boundaries are around this. Um, and that second component to it is for the other men to say, this is not appropriate. This is to encourage each other to not send these things as opposed to, to sending them. Um, I think we have a lot of, um, important or we have an important role to play in educating other men to go this is not okay you need to not do these things Uh, or even just being that sober second thought to say hey i want to send this person a picture of my junk this is where as somebody who's kind of listening to that or this person's friend to be like hey 
are you two dating? Is this something that's kind of expected or common? If it's not, then you'd be like, I don't think that's a good idea. And that's that part where we have to encourage amongst ourselves to not do those kind of things. And that education will, will expand, right? Hey, do you know that women actually feel like it's invasive of their, their space to get these unsolicited messages? And a lot of times guys won't know that because we don't talk. And unfortunately, communication is a really important piece. And education and, and um, communication are, are vitally important in spreading that message. Yeah, I've actually said, you know, that you would not just just have sex, like take sex. That's rape. So to do something like that feels rapey and that, that usually shuts them right down. Yeah. And I think that's important because if you can speak that and you can communicate that, then it shuts them down. And and. I would ask you, the times that you've done that, have you received follow-on images? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. It's not my job to have to educate. But in that situation, I will educate that what if the woman has trauma? To just stop and use your regular brain, not your little brain for a second. And we're all human mm-hmm. and that the woman you send it to. And we, we're we in an age where we ask permission now, like, you know, can I kiss you? Can I touch you? Can I send you a dick pic? It's that simple. Yeah. May I send you a dick pic? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's really important, but that's that education piece and being also supported amongst the men around this, around the person sending it is very important. And we know that people in similar social circles will conduct similar behaviors. And so if your social circle is the type of person that has this understanding, this knowledge that we're talking about right now that goes, hey, there's a lot of components to this that perhaps you haven't thought about. Maybe we should think about them before we do this kind of impulsive act that can be very helpful at creating a little bit of space between the the initiation of the thought and the actual execution of the thought and we talk about this as mindfulness right for for a lot of addictions work and uh, a lot of substance substance use disorders we talk about how do you create space between the urge and the actual acting on the urge and we create we call that mindfulness so we have that mindfulness pause in between that goes hey i really want to send this to this person because i think they would like it and you go okay well i'm going to give myself 10 minutes and then see if it's still a good idea or 20 minutes so i'm going to go for a walk i'm going to make myself a sandwich or i'm going to do something and we know that it helps in, um, reduce that urge in people for for example who are trying to not use alcohol if they can go for a 10-minute walk or a 20-minute walk, that urge tends to subside. And when they come back, it's not as strong. In the same way that if if maybe we could apply that to this, where you go, maybe wait 10 minutes and see if it's still a good idea. Because a lot can happen in 10 minutes neurochemically and even just in terms of events in people's lives. Is this... is Sending dick pics more common with uh, the addiction community, or is there any kind of underlying mental health that goes along with it? Not that I've been able to determine. Uh, I haven't seen any correlations between um, people who have substance use issues or people who don't, or uh, it tends not to be an age thing either. I, I know people who have received these pics from, from, like you said, young guys, teenagers, even all the way right up into the 60s and 70s. And so I think there's a bit more commonality to this problem, if we want to call it a problem, um, that I think has a lot of roots in terms of that evolutionary understanding of what's going on and and being able to bring that into the forefront of our minds and think about them before we send them. 
Okay. So men think with your big brain, not your little brain, right? Yeah. Take, give yourself a few minutes and, and then try again. And I think that's really important is creating that mindfulness piece to go, Hey, if it wasn't a good idea 10 minutes ago, it shouldn't be a good idea now. Great advice. I, I think it's also important um, in the way that we start to look at the social interaction between men and women. I think that's plays an underlying key. And, and especially over the last few years, we've seen uh, an increasing separation between people in general, let alone men and women. And so social media, online engagement has really reduced in-person um, kind of interactions between people. And oftentimes for men, I know in a lot of the literature and speaking to some men on this topic in preparation for this, is that pe- men misinterpret someone being nice, a woman being nice to them as sexual kind of moves towards them, whereas that's not the intention of that formation of the relationship. And as we get more and more separated from each other, it becomes harder and harder to pick up on those cues. And I think that's a big component of that. It's just because the woman wants to be a friend with you doesn't mean that she wants to sleep with you. When it's reversed, from the man's perspective, oftentimes it goes, oh, she's being nice to me. Obviously, she wants something more with me and that's not often the case and again this all goes back to that communication piece to go what are the intentions here and and you don't have to be that overt or blunt about it there are other ways to figure out somebody's kind of intentions right you can ask them on dates you can ask them on romantic things you can continue on but if you're unsure you can ask and that takes a lot of courage i would say to ask is hey i'm really picking up something from you do you want to go out on a date or do you want to see where this can go? That really opens oneself up to being hurt, right? That rejection piece that we don't do very well anymore and haven't generally, it really opens us up. But having that courage to be able to say, Hey, I like you. Can we go out? I think that's really important. And that changes the whole dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. And it can save you months of torment too, because I've known guys who have, um, you know, I thought been my friends, it turns out for a year, they were, they were miserable because they wanted more. And that's, again, it all comes back to communication. And we we're in a place right now, especially after two and a half years, almost of, of COVID-19 pandemic of, of physical distancing, which really means not going outside and they try not to say social distancing because they still want you to socialize, but it's harder to do, harder to do in person. So now we're having a lot more communication issues between people, even within couples, that piece is so lacking. Um, But there's also that courage, like I said, that courage to open yourself up and be rejected. And we don't like to deal with rejection, especially in our North American society. We don't like rejection. It seems to be the worst thing right now for us. Rejection from the schools we choose, rejection from the jobs, rejection from the partners that we want. We try to protect ourselves from that. I think part of that is natural. We don't, they're unpleasant feelings, but they're things that build resilience and they allow us to, to grow and move, move on. And I think that's really important being able to bring into confidence and courage in terms of finding relationships because human relationships are very important. They're essential to our mental well-being. And I think that we need to continue to, to go out there and have relationships and appropriately develop them. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's different when you're in like a text group with your, your schoolmates, like you're working on a group project and you have someone in your group that, that you're working with 
that's inappropriate to send that person a dick pic, right? If you're on Tinder and you're you're matching somebody and you're you're going for that romantic, intimate connection, I think that's a little bit different in terms of what you can be expected in those in those conversations. And that's where you need to turn on that, like you said, that that big brain or that I like to call it the prefrontal cortex and say, <laughs> would this make sense, right? If my friend was coming to me asking me advice about this, what would I tell them, right? And that's where you can kind of pull yourself out of it. You can second guess, you can question. And then, like I said, take 15 minutes, take an hour before you do that. And like you said, ask permission. Hey, is it okay if I send this to you? And if it's to your work colleague and they go, absolutely not, this is, this is inappropriate, where work colleagues you have your answer. But if the response is, I'd love to see one, then now you have that permission. And, and I think that's very important. That consent piece is extremely important in all aspects of what we do. And, and I think it's important here. Yeah. Yeah. When we did Lisa's video on sexual choking, that was the theme is consent, 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 consent. It's so important. Yeah. And, and again, that's, it's important. It hasn't been as important over the past few decades, especially in terms of that skewed perspective against women to make sure that consent is there. But as we kind of move into a much more equitable society, we want to treat each other with respect. And that respect is, do you want to see a picture of my penis? And if the answer is no, that's okay. That's not a rejection in any way in terms of something that one has to take personally. It's just that is not the level that that relationship can sustain that kind of disclosure at the moment. So it'd be like if I said to a man, is it okay if I punch you in the face? And he's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> right? No, he's no. <laughs> um, and in kind of in preparation for this interview, I asked, I solicited some of my male friends and said, what would you do if you got like a picture of a, a woman's vulva or, or uh, breasts kind of out of the blue? And, and the reactions were very similar to what I've experienced with, with women is that it would be like, there was that kind of shock, like, what, why would someone send me that unsolicited? Right. Like, and it wasn't unanimous, but that was a very general, like the, the, the general understanding or feel was it was, it was inappropriate both ways. It tends to happen less from women to men, but it would still be inappropriate, especially based on the nature of the relationship. And so we always have to question, what is the relationship I have with this woman right now? Well, and I imagine too, who is this woman? Because much like there's some men who would love to get an unsolicited picture from a woman, there's probably some women that do encourage it. They, they like it. They, they want to receive these. So that can probably propagate it a little bit. Yeah. And that's important to understand that who, who you're dealing with. Again, that goes to the basis of the relationship. Is this expected behavior or unexpected behavior? If it's unexpected behavior, you won't know about it. But if it's expected, you'll definitely know about it, right? It's one of those things where, hey, send me some stuff. You will know when it's invited. If it's not been kind of explicitly asked for, the assumption should always be that it's not expected. It's not invited. Okay. Well, thank you, Dan. Anything you want to say in closing? I think that just navigating relationships in today's day is very hard. I think in general for both men and women, heterosexual, bisexual, homosexual, any kind of sexual orientation is difficult. We've, it's always been difficult. It wasn't easier in the forties and uh, finding love and dating and creating those, those connections is always hard. Again, it put, it's us putting ourselves out there and, and that's risking getting hurt, getting it rejected. And how we take that rejection is very important. But today we have to 
be very careful about how we do it in terms of the technology makes our communication that much more difficult. Those nonverbal cues are harder to see. There are literally no nonverbal cues in a text conversation. And that makes it very hard to determine tone, makes it very hard to determine intention. Um, And so we want to make sure that if we can't determine that based off of the nonverbal cues that we're getting, that we ask, because we need those verbal cues in order to justify what we do, because you can lose your job for sending those pictures to coworkers. You can have other unintended and negative social consequences for that. um, And I don't think that's okay. Uh, Or the eggplant emoji. If you receive the eggplant emoji, you're good to go. (laughs) If if you say so. I would still be very explicit in terms of, is this something that you want? Because that, again, can be misinterpreted. What is that? Is it a typo? Is Is it some autocorrect, right? Like we have to be very, very careful about respecting each other's boundaries. And and if you wouldn't do it on the street, you probably shouldn't do it over the phone. And that's where you want to make sure that you ask. So I I, I honor and grant that relationships hard are hard and, and entering into relationships are hard. Um, and it's even harder now. Um, and so just do yourself a favor and be clear, clear about your intentions and so that the other person can be clear about theirs. And when you're on the same page, great. Maybe it'll start a really great relationship where you uh, have a tradition that uh, pre-date night, you start to get really randy over text messages. And that includes sending pictures. And that's okay, right? If it's if it's expected and if it leads to some great intimate experiences between the two of, of the people that are doing it, I'm all for that. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Dan. And uh, we're going to see you again soon because of the new series, Mental Health Mansplained. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy these. So. And if anybody has any topics they'd like us to cover, feel free to send them in the comments and uh, we'll do our best to cover them as quickly as we can. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thanks.